And we're going to be preaching from John 5 this morning. Vince, would you just do me a favour? You just shut them two doors, please. There's something I, I struggle preaching to the toilet doors being open. You lot are all right. You're looking at this beautiful, handsome creature in front of you. Leave it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. God's already been moving this morning. I love it. We have our set plans, agendas, and God says, forget about that. I love it. And we're trying to be a church that we're in that place where the Holy Spirit just does what he wants to do, and we need to be sensitive to that. So go to John 5 for me, would you? I'm going to read from the Message Bible, and then there's going to be opportunity. We're going to pray for you today. This Message Bible seems to be the smallest text that I could have possibly picked. Okay. Soon, another feast came around, and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda. Bethesda? Bethesda. Oh, that's fine. With five alcoves, hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were there in those alcoves. One man been an invalid there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool, he knew how long he'd been there. He said, do you want to get well? The sick man said, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. Jesus said, get up, take your bedroll, start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and walked off. That day happened to be the Sabbath. The Jews stopped the healed man and said, it's the Sabbath, you can't carry your bedroll around. It's against the rules. But he told them, the man who made me well told me, he said, take your bedroll and start walking. They asked, who gave you the order to take it and start walking? But the healed man didn't know, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. A little later, Jesus found him in the temple and said, you look wonderful, you're well. Don't return to a sinning life or something worse might happen. The man went back and told the Jews that it was Jesus who'd made him well. That is why the Jews who made us, that it is why the Jews were out to get Jesus because he did this kind of thing on the Sabbath. But Jesus defended himself. My father is working straight through. Even on the Sabbath, so am I. That really set them off. The Jews... Now not only want to expose him, they were out to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, putting himself on the level with God. And may God add his blessing unto his word. Why have I read it from the message? Because it just changes some of the stuff so we can understand it. Not changes it, but changes it to a language we can understand and get hold of. So we see there's a pool. Bethsaida, Bethsaida. Bethesda, there's churches, I know that. Do you know what Bethesda stands for? Because I'm only going to say it once. Mercy, a place of healing. Here we have this pool in the gates of Jerusalem. And it talks about there's five colonnades in other 
versions. What's it called? It's a big shelter of pillars and a big roof where people can be around. And there's five around here. Why is it so important to mention there's five? Because I want you to understand the mass of people that would have been there. Not only is this an entrance to the temple, so people get sun shade, so they can get shade from the rain and protected from the rain. This was also a place right round the pool where you could be healed. Now this pool was also known as the Sheep Gate. Why am I telling you this? I'm just giving you some backfill to the Sheep Gate. So this is probably where all the sheep went through to be washed before they were presented. This is where maybe the sheep came in to go to market. And we see that this pool is vitally important to seeing people healed. The Word of God says that actually at times an angel would stir the pool up and people would get into the pool and normally the first person in the pool would be healed. We see the story and this is what it brings us to our story. This man of 38 years has been waiting to get near that pool. And the question is, how did he get there? Well, probably his friends took him, put him there and said, right, we're off to work, we'll see you later. Because you see later on, he has nobody to help him into the pool. But it's interesting that that pool is called the place of mercy. Place of grace, place of healing. We serve a God who wants to heal you this morning. He's merciful and gracious with you when we don't deserve it. Let me share some of my thoughts from John 5 that might help us understand it a little bit more as we come to pray later for healing. First thing I want to mention, and there's loads of things actually that you can mention, uh, see from this passage. So I'm not going to cover them all today. And God might be saying different things to you. That's what's beautiful about the Word of God. Yes, there's an overall theme, but then God can use it in different ways to speak to you in different ways. This is why when you say, I've read that passage, maybe take it to another translation. Take it to another, because that other translation might help you see it in a different light. So we see, firstly, one to five, we see, and I want you to get the picture. Why am I trying to paint this picture? I'm trying to get you to understand that this man that Jesus saw wasn't just one man that was there. So if there's one man under a shade, and if there's one man in this room and I walk in, my attention's going to be, I see that man. But in this area, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people waiting to be healed, waiting to go into the temple. And the first thing I want you to see in all this detail, all the stuff that's going in, probably thousands of people are there. They're there for a special meal, special Jewish festival. So people have got to be there. So there's more people there than normal. There's people there that are officials. There's people there that, that are in charge of things. There's people that make rules. And they're all here among the sick waiting to go and take part in this feast. Not by accident, I, I believe that Jesus was right there in that moment. Because he'd been working in the area. But interesting how Jesus shows up where there's more people, where there's more officials, where there's people that are sick, where there's... It's like Jesus knows some of you have got to see this today. 
Some of you have got to hear this today. So the first thing we see, one to five, is this. Is that Jesus, in the mass of all the crowds and everything that was going on, knew that man was there. And firstly, I want you to understand this, that Jesus knows that you are here. Nobody else knows about me. I go about my business. Nobody cares about me. I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else today, Jesus knows about you. It's good and it's bad. Because he knows everything that's good about you and he knows everything that's bad about you. But do you know what? He's the only one who knows everything about you. I feel I've got nothing. I feel nobody notices me. Jesus knows who you are. The word of God says he knows every hair on your head. He knew you in your mother's womb. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Now every hair on your head for Gordon and Steve, he hasn't got a lot to count. But he still knows. So this morning you need to hear, firstly, if you hear nothing else, he knows you. Better than you know yourself. He knows you. And we see he knows this man. Next part of that is that he just didn't know that the man was there. Noticed he was there. I know you're in the room, but now when I contact or make contact with you or do whatever, I have noticed you. When I look at you, I have noticed you. So Jesus takes his hand and says, Sir, I am noticing you. I'm reading between the lines here. But Jesus is taking notice. He doesn't just say, I know you're here. He's taking notice. And Jesus notices you. You know, when you have cried in your bedroom, when you have walked down the lane and you, nobody else has heard it, he's noticed you. He's heard your tears. He's seen your prayers. He's seen your concerns that nobody else knows about. You know those things that if I share with that person, they're going to think I'm nuts. But Jesus said, I take you when you're nuts, that's okay. Because I know, because you're not nuts. Because what concerns you concerns me. So he knew, he noticed. Jesus cared for the man. I'm staggered by how many times Christians don't care for the people around them and not kind to the people around them. As Christians, we are called to be different. We might not be able to fix everything, but we can care and we can be kind. Jesus cared for the man. He was kind to the man. But not only did he know him, noticed, cared for him, Jesus acted. He just didn't say, I, I, I know you. You're okay. See ya. He said, I know you. I notice you. I care for you. And I'm going to act. I'm going to give you something now that's going to change your life. For 38 years, he held and carried this thing. Jesus said, I am here for this moment to bring healing to your life. To set you free. And when Jesus knows you, notices you, cares for you, acts, he's saying, I'm ready to transform that thing in your life. To set you free. 
from whatever the thing is holding you, sickness, shame, guilt, sin. And you know what I love about Jesus? Never do I see Jesus rubbing it in the person's face. Well, <laughs> he never does that. Know you. I notice you. I care for you. I'm acting on it. And I'm not going to rub it in your face. The devil loves rubbing stuff in our face. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's a defeated foe. Because everything he says, Jesus is saying, that is not true. That is not true. Are you hearing me this morning? The devil has said some stuff over you this week, over your life, over that's held you, that's bound you. And the devil's saying, I've got you. He has not got you. Jesus has got you. And because of Jesus, we can be different. Because of Jesus, we can be free. Because of Jesus, we can live victorious. Amen? Amen. So we see, he goes, he sees the man. He knew him, he noticed, he cared, he acted. And then Jesus didn't assume. He got to know some of the facts. And Jesus asked him a direct question. He says this. I, I see it in pictures that he's looking right in this man's eyes. We want to connect with somebody, look in their eyes. This is gonna, I'm going to say it anyway. You know, if you shake somebody's hand, it's going to bite me later, isn't it? Because everybody's going to be looking in. Look in their eyes. You're not declaring your love for them. You're declaring, actually, I'm serious. You've got my attention. And Jesus, I believe, gets this man's hand... And he looks him in the eyes. Because if we're looking in somebody's eyes, this person here, this person here, this person here, this person here, isn't important for that moment. Did you hear what I said? Not for that moment. Jesus looks him in the eyes. And he says, what do you want? Do you want to be well? I want to ask you a direct question this morning. Do you want to be well? Yeah, of course I do, Pastor. Well, hold on. Hold on. Before you jump in with the answer, do you want to be well? Because I believe this. Maybe some in this room, maybe some will be listening. Some people don't want to be well. They don't want to be well. Why don't they want to be well? Because they may be fearful of what's coming what they're going to walk into. Sometimes we feel safe in the sin that we're doing because we know what we're doing. We feel safe with the sickness even though we don't want it because we're comfortable there. If you want to be well, you have to break out of your comfort zone. If you want to be free from things that are binding you, you've got to break free from your comfort zone. This pastor friend told me this story that he was doing some ministry and there was a time where he could pray for people to be healed. And this woman came out to the front in a wheelchair. And my pastor friend, very wise, many years, said to me, don't assume, always ask. Says to this lady, what can I pray for you to be healed for? She went, pastor, I, I've got serious migraines that are, I'm struggling with. 
She said, I'll pray for that. That is no problem. And then he says to her, can I pray for you to get out of this wheelchair? I believe I have the faith to see you get out of this wheelchair. She says, no, pastor, just the headaches. Because if, if I get healed, my benefits will be stopped. <laughs> and that's not a joke. That's a true story. Wow. I prefer to pitch my tent in sickness because it affects my benefits than walk in the place of freedom. Wow. If God is able to heal you of that sickness, he's well able to take care of your finances. Maybe you really don't want to be healed. Are you willing to be healed? And we see a man here, 38 years, he carried this. I believe this man is willing to be healed if he's been there 38 years. Might not have said yes, but he's saying yes by his actions. Jesus says, I, I want to heal you. I believe this as well when it comes to healing. We don't have to be in the room for Jesus to heal us. So if you see just before John 5, we see there's a paragraph talking about how Jesus was going about his business, the Father's business, and we see a top official comes. This top official, now when you read the commentary, it's probably come 20, 30, maybe 40 miles. Now, he didn't get on the metro, didn't just drop on one of those orange scooters that go around this area. Somehow, he had to either walk or there was a chair or something. He had to get 40 miles to Jesus. Why did he want to get to Jesus? Because Jesus can heal and Jesus can change. And whatever's going on in your situation, get to Jesus. Don't allow the distractions to get you to Jesus. So we see that before that, his, his boy's ill. And if one of my boys is ill, I'm going to do anything to get them to the person that's going to be able to heal them, to set them free, to make them well. Are you not? And we see this official comes, he's full of faith. The boy's 20, 40 miles away. He says, Jesus, will you heal my boy? Jesus says, your faith has made him well. So 20, 40 miles away, Jesus said he's well. The... The, the official is so full of faith, he walks away. Okay, he says, fine. The servant rushes to him and says, your son was healed. Tell me the time. The time that Jesus said, your faith has made him well, that boy was healed. So Jesus is well able this morning. Maybe you need to stand in proxy for somebody that needs to be healed. He's well able to heal them from afar. Do anything you can to get yourself to Jesus or represent the person that needs to be prayed for. So Jesus asked this direct question, do you want to be well? I'm going to ask you again, do you want to be well? Well, here's the challenge. It's easy to say yes, but do you want to be well? So what does that mean? Are you willing are you believing? Have you got the faith to be well? Because if you come and be prayed for and then walk out of here and say, that was nice, that ain't going to work. My experience tells me you're going to pick that sickness back up. 
has to be a faith of walking in this. An element of walking in the truth. Not everybody wants to get better. Not everybody wants to get better, but I want to ask you the question, do you want to be well? Do you have the faith? Are you willing to be healed this morning? So this man lives with this for 38 years. The woman with the issue of blood lived for many years with the issue of blood. Somehow they had to connect with Jesus to be healed. Over your situation, it's not just sickness, how long have you carried this thing for? And how long are you prepared to keep carrying it? 38 years is a long time to carry something. Maybe you're in this room this morning, you've carried something for 40 years, 38 years, 15 years. Somebody's hurt me and I've carried that for 45 years. How long do you want to keep carrying that thing? Because here's the issue is that it's you that's affected by carrying it, not the person that's hurt you, not the person that's done something to you, not the, the sickness you carry. Nobody else is responsible for that sickness. Well, I have this, I have that, I have this. I'm just going to live with it. And then another year passes and then something else is added to that list of whatever. Just the way it is, isn't it? It doesn't have to be that way. How long do you want to keep carrying the sin, the shame, the guilt, the sickness? Because Jesus is saying there's a different way. There's a freedom. got to live in that space, that Calvary victory. I see what, I love what's going on here. So we see Jesus, see the man is wanting to be willing to be healed. And we see Jesus is going to heal him and heals him. And in verse 8, he says this, and I love this in the message. He says, pick up your bedroll, the mat, pick it up now. He probably didn't have the strength to do it in the natural he shouldn't have done it because it was the Sabbath. Jesus isn't bothered by any of that. He says, I am going to make you well. Pick up your bedroll. Maybe in the back of the mind of the guy, he says, it's the Sabbath. You can't do that. Or maybe saying, yes, touch me. Heal me. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. He tells us this. He doesn't know him until later. Jesus heals him. He says, pick up your bedroll. And this morning, I want you to hear this. Jesus is saying to you, pick up your bedroll. Don't be, well, don't be sick anymore. Don't carry that thing of sin anymore. My guilt, my shame, don't count anymore. Because Calvary has paid for it all. Jesus demonstrates here as well his authority. Don't underestimate Jesus' authority in any situation. 
And don't underestimate Jesus' authority that he puts into you. Because you carry, if you're a fully pledged, signed up, born again Christian, full of the Holy Spirit, you are carrying his authority. In that hospital appointment, in that workplace, in that place you volunteer, in that place you're trying to, whatever you're doing, you carry his authority. No, I don't. Okay, no, you do. But if you are signed up, fully pledged, born again, spirit-filled, you carry his authority. And we see all these people are in this place, thousands and thousands of people for the festival, to be healed, to go to the temple. Jesus has taken a moment here to, to show his authority. His God-given authority. Men and women, officials are taking notice of who this man is. And what an awesome privilege that he gives us the same authority. So Jesus uses his authority and makes a statement and says, hey, you think you know, but you know nothing. You think you're in charge, but you know nothing. Jesus' authority is given by God right in the middle Right at the gate. And right in your situation, Jesus is giving you the authority for what you need. Taking the authority doesn't just mean it's going to be all right in that moment. Taking the authority is something you've got to keep walking in. A bit like the dam busters I see. You know the dam busters, the bouncing bomb? The plane comes over, they chuck the bomb down, it bounces across the water, it breaks the dam eventually. That's how it works with authority. We don't just have authority in that situation. And sometimes we have to keep going in with that authority. And it keeps hitting the foundations and the foundations and the foundations. Seems an impossible situation. But get hold of the authority of Christ. Changes things. Verse 14. Verse 14 says this. In fact, let me read it. Because I like the words it uses. Verse 14. A little later, Jesus found him. This was the man that was ill in the temple and said, You look wonderful. You're well. Don't return to a sinning life or something worse might happen. So he's saying, I have made you well. I have set you free. Don't sin no more. Because your sin will make you worse. I believe we did some business with the Lord at the beginning when it came to releasing some sin from our lives. Maybe we need to keep working on that. I don't believe every sickness and everything that we have is because we are sinful. I don't believe that. But there is a place that actually some of the illnesses we have because we have been sinful. Remember, many years ago, I had some problems with some stuff. I'm saying, Lord, would you heal me? Would you heal me? Would you heal me? And then I felt God say to me, change the prayer, son. Well, what do you mean change the prayer? You want me to be healed, don't you? And I'm asking. 
No, son, I want you to ask what the root of the problem is. Because if we get to the root of the problem, I will deal with that thing that's going on that you're not being able to do better in your life, where, where you're sick. So the Lord and the Holy Spirit, me and the Holy Spirit went to business. So what is the thing? I had a friend who tells me the story that he used to have nosebleeds. Lord, heal me of these nosebleeds. And again, the Lord said to him, son, you're asking the wrong question. So he did some business with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said that he needed to eat some particular things, some vegetables, some various things, and change his diet. He started doing that, and the nosebleeds went. You see, it isn't just about his touching hand. He's put things in place so that we can be healed. Phenomenal foods, phenomenal doctors and physicians who can heal us. But a part of some of our sicknesses is because we sin. Interesting, isn't it? Well, I didn't think that was a sin. Again, it's not about categorizing what sin is. If, you, if God has told you to do something and you're not doing it, you're sinning. My dad told me this story of his principal at Bible College, a real godly man, Brash Bonsall, was saying, one day my dad went into his office and he was sobbing his heart out. He said, Phil, I... I've sinned and I've got to put this right before God. So my dad's saying, great, this is the principle of the Bible. God, he's going to dish some great stuff here. And he says to my dad, he said, God has told me every morning I should get up at six o'clock and pray. He says, I can't get up at six o'clock. I'm struggling. And God has told me I'm sinning. Might sound insignificant to you, but sin is irrelevant. It, 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 you carry the weight of whatever your sin is. So he goes to this man, go and sin no more. What does no, don't sin no more mean? I said it earlier, turn around, 360. Do business with God. Maybe you need to tell somebody for accountability. That's important. live in a different way and this is what he's saying to the man he said not only do I know you not only did I notice you not only did I care for you not only did I act showed my authority I'm giving you now the key to the kingdom that's going to stop you going where you've been before and live a different life and he's given us the key to the kingdom here go and sin no more because if you do you'll be worse off than what you were before said this from the beginning, that we were doing business with God. Our sin, our shame can't hold us anymore. Give yourself permission to walk away from that sin. Because if you don't, it could be worse than what you've been walking through. He said, I'm giving you a key to the kingdom here. Go and sin no more. You will sin, because that's what we do. 
but don't go and sin no more in that area. He says, I am releasing you. I'm setting you free. I'm going to finish right here. And we're going to pray. This is why I really believe Jesus healed him. This is why Jesus heals us, sets us free from sin. He heals us. He sets us free from sin. So we can live a life of holiness. Did you hear me, brother? He heals us. He sets us free from sin. So we can live a life of holiness. That's what he's saying to this man. You are no longer defined by your sickness. You're no longer defined by your sin. Go and live a life of holiness. Holiness. I'm going to say to you this morning, you're no longer defined by your sin. You're no longer defined by your sickness. Go and live a life of holiness. I'm setting you free from sin. I'm setting you free from the pain, the guilt, the shame, the sickness, so you can live a life of holiness. So do you want to be well? Do you really want to be well? And when I ask you that question, I'm asking physically, do you want to be well? I'm asking spiritually, do you want to be well? I'm asking emotionally, do you want to be well? And there's a load of other I can put on the enemies. But Jesus isn't the one that heals just half cop. Oh, do you know what? We'll just deal with that physical thing. That'll be fine. Yeah, we'll just, just, just deal. He wants to deal with the emotional stuff, the spiritual stuff, the, the mentally challenging stuff. He wants to heal your mental health. But you see, the physical, the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, it has a knock-on effect. wants to make you whole. It's Jesus that makes us whole. Makes us whole. Come to bind up the broken hearted because he wants to make you whole. We have a God, we have a Jesus that says, I'm not just interested in your physical, I want the emotional, I want the spiritual. I want your mental health to be whole, to be well. So you can live in a place of holiness. We're going to put some music on now. Holy Spirit, what are you saying right in this moment? Just ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you. Maybe you just have to keep doing business with him. And that's the most important thing that you need to be doing is do business with him. not important what I'm saying, do business with him. And this morning, I felt very clearly last week that we needed to speak on healing. I need to speak on John 5. 
so that we could pray this morning for you to be healed. So we can pray into your situation. So as, as a leadership, we've been fasting on Friday to pray for this meeting so that we were charged, ready to do business with the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be well? And if you are, great, walk in it. And I don't mean that sarcastically, I mean great, walk in it. But there will be a time you're ill. There will be a time you're emotionally drained. There will be a time that you're physically. Isn't just a one day deal. Doesn't mean you need it next week. God can heal you. But walk in that Calvary victory. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Just take a moment. And if the Holy Spirit is saying or prompting something, do something about it. Respond. So our meeting is going to come to an end. But the music's going to be on. And if you want to be healed this morning, the leadership team, Beverly, I'm going to ask you to join me. Dave, I'm going to ask you to join me. Because I believe God has put a calling on your life to see people healed. So the music is going to play. And the service is over. Feel respectful as you leave. We're going to stand. If you need to be prayed for healing. And in fact, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Go ahead, Marisa. You want to come and say something? The whole of the leadership are going to stand around the room at various points. Stand at various points. Away from each other. And just come and be prayed for. But help us. We don't need a full life story of the thing. But you see, Jesus asked for the fact. What, what, what's the situation? And as I say, the leaders have been fasting and praying for this moment. You might give them the situation and God might put on their heart something that says, actually, you need to go back to the root of this. Listen to them. Listen to them. Um, it's just it's not just our own sin that can um, bring shame onto us and bring physical effects on our bodies we know now that um, when things happen to us particular woundings emotionally our bodies store things and that can cause a lot of sickness as well but Jesus took all of the shame if you you could go read 2 Samuel 13 about Tamar's story and, and she carried shame for something that was done to her. I won't get into that now. But Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted and the word shalom, which appears a lot in the Old Testament, is about wholeness. Um, but Jesus took all of that shame. Sometimes it's our own sin. Sometimes it's sins that have been done to us and then we internalize that shame because of various reasons. Again, I'm not going to get into psychology right now, but 
Jesus wants to get to the root of things, whether that's your own wrongdoing, whether it's something else that has happened um, to you. So, well, yeah, if, yeah. Just, yeah, so ask Jesus what's at the root of this because it might be something that you need to bring to Jesus to get him to heal you from that. Um, that's having a physical effect on your body or your emotional well-being. You know, we're all connected. God made us as integrated human beings, not just spirit, not just mind. We've got a body as well, and it's all connected. And he knows exactly how that's all knit together and exactly how to heal all of it. So I would just encourage you to just ask Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit, what's at the root of this? Um, so you can bring it to him because he took all of that on that cross. He took all of that shame, sickness, pain, healing. We've already heard it all this morning. He, he took all of it on the cross and then he rose again in victory over it. So just bring it to him. Look into his face and find your healing. Thanks, Marisa. So I'm going to ask the leadership team just to go to position in the room, around the room. Beverly and Dave, you join us too. Now there has to be a response from you. There has to be a response from you. These leaders, these people, Dave and Beverly have asked to join us as well. They can't heal you. It's only Jesus that can heal you. So they're going to pray in the name of Jesus, you be healed. So the music's going to play. But there needs to be a response. And as we pray, I just want to remember Rob, Rob just got attacked the other night. So Lord, would you touch him? Those stitches he's got in his face, would you heal him? Be with him, Father God. So the music is going to play now. Our service has come to an end. Thank you for joining us.